0: The other story, again, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but as it's told, this young man had a dream. And in the dream, he stood before an angel, and the angel said, you have a choice whether you want to go to heaven or go to hell. But I'm going to give you the privilege of giving you a sneak peek into both. So come with me. And he starts walking down these long, long stairs, and finally they get to this absolutely huge cavern, and in the middle is a pot of boiling beef stew. And there is innumerable people gathered around and they have long, they have spoons, long handles and they can dip into the stew but the handle is too long for them to feed themselves. And with dangling over the fire, they can't grab it into the middle just in case some of you were wondering. So the... They were all haggard. They were starving. They were angry. They were just so unhappy. And the angels said, you ready? Let's go. I'm going to take you to heaven. And up the stairs they go up and up and up and up. And Finally they get to this place and it's a huge cavern and there's a pot of boiling beef stew in the middle and people are all gathered around and they have these spoons with long handles but everybody is so happy nobody is starving they're all filled with joy and then the man looked closer to find out that as they dipped their spoons in the stew they fed one another oh yeah again i'm not sure if that story's true but what it does is it helps reveal a little bit of the heart of those who have decided to follow Jesus. And as we're looking into the idea of heaven, we're not going to be talking about beef stew tonight, if you were wondering, no. But we will need to explore just what heaven will be like. Now, I I need to preface this by, by saying over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Revelation 21 and 22 that we've already looked at over the last two weeks. We saw a lot of symbols. So each week we're going to take a symbol... And we're going to see how that applies. We're going to look at the symbol, try and understand what it means, look at other scriptures that talk about that symbol as it's reflected in the new heaven and new earth. And then we're going to need to add a bit of speculation. We need to come to some conclusions, and then when we do, I think we're going to see some possibilities. And so here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I'm only sharing this speculation, these possibilities with you to whet your appetite a little bit, because so many of us have been fed with this idea that heaven is boring. I'd rather live in hell than in heaven. After all, in hell, I'll have all of my friends with me. I'm sorry, you may, but they're going to be in as bad a pain as you. And so the truth is, when we talk about heaven, we need to have our appetites wetted again. We need to have a bigger, grander vision of what the new heavens and the new earth will be, and at least what it may be. And so that's what I'm going to do. I want to whet your appetite. I want to kind of just take this box that you have put heaven into that's so small, and I want to just blow that box up tonight. I want to do that over the next couple of weeks. I want you to see how amazingly vast, complex, and just awesome that new heavens and new earth will be. So to do that, I want us to first consider two two things. These are two scriptures. I'm going to go through them so quickly, but I need to look at them. I need to have us look at them because these are verses that people have tossed out there saying the Bible clearly says that that we cannot know what the new heaven and new earth is going to be, and I'm going to disagree with that. But I need to share them with you because maybe you've heard them. The first one is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In this one, Paul has having a revelation, and in that revelation, he's teleported, if you will, transported, whether in the body or in the spirit, he doesn't know, but he's teleported to the third heaven, and that is just a way of saying the throne room, right before God. Not the sky, not the universe heavens, but the third heaven, that would be God's dwelling place. And it says that while he is there, he hears things that man is not permitted to tell. I think that's significant. I think we need to realize two things very quickly. He's not permitted to tell. This is true, but he can at least talk about them, but not in the specifics. And that's what we get. We, we, are, we hear from Scripture some specifics, but not too specific because there's so much about heaven that when I'm going through this series, I can only whet your appetite. Heaven will be, whatever you hear me share with you, whatever you're thinking through your mind, it's going to be far grander than that. Number two, just understand that Paul was not in the heavens, and the new heavens and the new earth. He was in the present heaven. Okay? And that's different. Actually, in that heaven, we hear very little about it. The other passage is First Corinthians chapter two, verses nine and ten, and it says this No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. And some have innocently looked at this and said, See, you have no idea, Mike, what lies ahead for you in heaven. But I need you, I need to ask you, is that really what the passage is saying? because he's talking about salvation there. He's not talking about heaven because, this, because the passage goes on and says, "'But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit.'" See, in the old covenant, this new life, this inheritance that we now have in Christ was very vague and people could not understand it, and that's what he's talking about. This salvation that you and I have, this is what God has prepared for those who love him. He's not talking about heaven. He, maybe just a little bit because our salvation is given to us in part, not that we're partly saved, but we experience it only in part. The fullness of that salvation, Romans 8 says, the redemption of your bodies, as an example, that's gonna take place in the new heavens and the new earth in the, at the end of the age. But what we have now... Paul is saying that in the Old Covenant, they couldn't understand it. But now, see, we can. Why? Because the Spirit has revealed it to us. So I just, if you've heard those verses quoted saying, that's why why there's no talk about heaven. Well, I disagree with that. There's plenty of talk. We need to look at it. So let's begin our study. Now, we read through the Revelation 21 and 22, at least the first half of 22, and we looked at a lot of different symbols, and as we go back, here's what I want us to look at. Look at chapter 21, verses 24 to 26. I'm going to read it again. Revelation 21, verses 24 to 26. The nations will walk by its light, that is, the city which we learned is the kingdom of God. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. We learned last week what that would mean. The glory and honor. Let me just read that again. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. So we have the glory of the kings of the earth. We have the glory and honor of the nations. Some translations say the splendor. That's fine. Splendor's fine, as long as we understand it. We're we're talking about the glory of kings and then the splendor of the nations of those kings. This Greek word nations is ethnoi. We get the word ethnic, which does not mean technically nations as far as geopolitical boundaries are concerned. We're talking about people groups. When we're talking about people groups, we're talking about ethnicities. Do you see the difference? There's many ethnicities in America. There's many ethnicities in many of the country. Right now there's a quite a bit between the Iraqis and the Kurds going on. There are of different ethnicities living in the same country. These different ethnicities basically are defined then by their culture, and I'm going to come back to that very shortly. What is this glory? What is this honor of the nations, of people of kings? I want you to turn now, keep your, well, well, You go ahead and turn over then to Hebrews chapter two, verses five through the first part of verse nine. Hebrews two, five through the first part of nine. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. I'm just going to pause right there. We need to understand that verse before we go any further. What has he been speaking of? He's been speaking of this great salvation. See, if in the Old Testament they ignored this great salvation, trusting in God and following the Mosaic law then how will God ever show mercy under the new covenant in which the gospel is so clear? Believe in Jesus Christ. This is the great salvation. This is what he's talking about. Again, that great salvation includes what we have received now, but it's only in part, and it is completed in the coming age. And so when he is talking about the age or the world to come, he's talking about the new heaven and the new earth because that is the culmination of this great salvation that he's talking about. So again, it's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. The new heavens and the new earth will not be subjected to angels but there is a place where someone has testified and what follows in the next two verses is a quote from Psalm 8. And it says this, what is man? And I want you to underline that, highlight it, put, make it bold so it jumps out at you. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. What did God crown man with? Glory and honor. Does that sound familiar to you? Glory and honor. Hmm. God crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. Who is the world to come to be subjected to? Is it angels? No. Then to whom is it? It is to man. It is to you and I, the world to come will be subjected to us. Where does the author of Hebrews even get this? Remember, church, what is the new heavens and the new earth? It is a restoration of the original. It's a restoration of what we commonly call paradise, and that word's actually found in Revelation. It, that It's a restoration of that. Extract the sin, extract the curse... That's what will be restored to. So we're going to need to go back to Genesis, chapter 1, and we're going to need to find out, what is this? What is he talking about here? So let's do that if we will. I believe we're going to find our answer. What is this glory and honor that John is talking about in Revelation? Genesis 1, This is on the 6th day. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. They were commanded to subdue or subject the Earth. Why? Why were they called to do this? See, man was man had a purpose when God created him. His purpose was to subdue the Earth, not destroy it. No, that, that's that's bad stewardship. But to study, to understand, to grow in knowledge of this Earth. You know, I, every day I'm amazed by what I read, generally online, if you can trust it, but so much of what they discover and things that can be used. Do you realize, uh, to my knowledge, I think the most poisonous thing in the world is a frog, I think is either a yellow or blue frog in South America. It is 10 times more potent than morphine. Excuse me, did I say 10? hundred times more potent than morphine. It can kill you like that. Shut your, bo- shut your nervous system down immediately and you die. So what they have done is they are trying, and they're still in the process of this, trying to take that poison from this poisonous tree frog and they're trying to dilute it and u- to use it sufficiently as a painkiller as a painkiller, and hopefully you don't die, right? No, so That's the goal. I'm not gonna choose to be a guinea pig with that study. What an amazing discovery that they can take things like this and use them for good. This is what we were initially charged with, church. This is the goal that we were to have. The glory and the honor that we have been crowned with is being made in the image of God. That is the glory and honor that we bring into the new heaven into the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, as you and I both know, that sin entered into the situation and it broke this world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world in which not only is there sin, what we call moral evil, but there is what's called natural evil. The world is broken. Everywhere you look, there's catastrophe. Instead of symbiotic relationships, there's creatures called parasites. God didn't create the world initially that way. Instead of there being these things like bacteria and viruses that are deleterious or detrimental to your health, God had originally created them to actually be beneficial. And there are viruses that are actually beneficial something I just learned this past week or the week before. There's a type of virus that if you ing- it, let me back up. There is a blindness that people can have because they're born with it because the gene that's coded for that eyesight is, I'll just say it this way, it's broken. And so when the child is born, he cannot see. And they take that unbroken gene, that healthy gene, they inject it into the virus, then they take this virus and inject it into the retina of this blind child, and it injects the good DNA and replaces the broken DNA, and the child can see. How amazing is this? And so, man, in view of sin and the brokenness of our world, we are still called to subdue the earth. This is what we are called to do because we are made in the image and the likeness of God. What what does that even mean? Let me just give you a few examples here. It is basically in its nutshell form that we reflect God. God is creative. And I'm not suggesting that being made in his image, we are completely dissimilar to the animal kingdom. In some ways we are. We can speak languages, but they cannot. But though they can communicate in interesting ways, even bees can communicate and ants, amazingly, but we, can, we have a language that we can communicate with. We have this intellectual ability. God is creative. I think you know this. When you look at yourself, are you creative? Some of you think you're not, but the truth is you can create creative. We have, an, a bit, we have a desire for aesthetics. That is beauty. Because when God created, he didn't create junk. You see, when God created you, he didn't create junk, if you think that you are. God created something beautiful, and it is sin that has broken that. And in, when we come to Christ, we are in the process. Life comes into us now, and we're in the process of being restored in our relationship to God and the image of God. Get a load of this. Colossians 3 says this, that we are being renewed in the knowledge of the image of our creator. That image that's broken in Christ is in this process of being renewed. So I want you to think about this. In the new heaven and the new earth, what is that honor that we bring into the kingdom? It is the restored Image of God. It is the creation ruling over. It is being not gods or demigods. I realize that Mormonism teaches that we're gonna one day become gods. That is the sin that Satan had as he aspired to be God and he was kicked out of heaven. No, we're not called to be gods, we're called to simply be like God. We are called to be to reflect him. We are called To see that image restored and rule, not with a heavy fist, but benevolently, graciously. Men, when you lead in your home, you lead lovingly, tenderly. You don't just bark out the commands. You work with your wife, but ultimately the buck stops with you. And if the family fails, guys, that rests on our shoulders and not our wives. We bear that responsibility. So when we're looking at this image of God, we're talking about things like this in intelligence. We're talking about language. We're talking about culture. Culture is that image of God reflected differently in each culture like a flavor is reflected, okay? Culture would include things like language, things like music, food, art, dress, styles, sports activities, festivals. I want us to look at two things for the rest of our time together, almost a half an hour, 25 minutes. I'm excited about this topic. And I want to pass on that excitement with you. Because when we're in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth, to to just even think or suggest it's all about laying down on clouds, that gets me angry. That, that's, that's like slanderous to God. God created something so amazing. And how many of you would love to spend eternity on a cloud? Anybody? Just just on a cloud, not doing anything. Okay, aside from the pranksters and the jokesters in the church, and there's plenty of them apparently. None of us want to spend eternity on a cloud. And no, you don't have your Game Boy or anything like that with you. Sorry. I'm not saying there's not internet, but heaven is going to be so much better than that. So let me dig into this a little bit. The image of God restored then means in Mike Curtis, his character is different. See, moral evil is gone. I start reflecting Jesus in how I love, in my joy. Man, Can you imagine if you never experienced depression? Ever. Some of you wrestle with that. Gone. Totally gone. Peace. You're not going to wake up in the morning anxious or in the middle of the night with a night terror. All of that gone. Sin gone. The effects, the curse gone. Moral evil gone. You're beginning to reflect the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Everything that was broken in the world And we just have a few examples in Genesis 3, like thistles. We're going to get, work is another topic. Work is not a four-letter word. But you get my point. Work is something we're going to do. Work is something we're going to throw ourselves. Imagine waking up every morning so excited for the work that you're going to do that day. How many of you wake up Monday morning so excited about going to work? A a couple of you, good. A couple of you, all right. I do, I do. I love what I do, but not all of us do because we're still in this world. We're under the curse. The world is broken. Our boss is broken. And if you happen to be one of my employees, and I'm not sure any of you here have ever been one of my employees, maybe, uh, but the truth is I'm broken too. I'm in the process of being renewed, but I'm broken. And God is, we're, we're, we're not going to live in that brokenness anymore. And so consequently, our work, when we actually try to build something, it's going to look amazing. I believe we're going to get better and better at it, but I jump ahead with that. You see, the image of God is, will be It's in the process of being restored now, but it will be completely restored then. I want to investigate then two aspects of this. Number one, the... lost my place here. Knowledge, and number two, culture. There is so much under both of these topics. Let's begin. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says this. It says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face now i know in part then i shall know fully as i am fully known first of all let's understand that when he talks about knowing the knowing he's talking about there is the gift of the message of knowledge that's the context here it's spiritual gifts He just doesn't say the whole message of knowledge. He just says knowledge. If you go back to chapter 12, that's where he mentions the whole message of knowledge, message of wisdom, okay? And so here he's talking about the message of any spiritual gift, actually, prophecy. When we're in heaven, there won't be any need for that because when it says we we will know as we're fully known, it doesn't mean that we're gonna be omniscient. See, only God is omniscient. Even the angels aren't omniscient. If you don't know everything... Does that mean you can learn? Just think about that. So you have, yes, of course. Church, can I suggest to you that in the new heaven and the new earth, you can learn. You're, you're not going to have access to all of these matrix downloads. You know what I'm talking about in that movie and they just take oh, up. You, know you know how to pilot a, a helicopter. Yeah, I know how to pilot. Man, this is awesome. All right. And, and so she's standing and she suddenly knows how to fly this helicopter. You're going to need to learn but you can still learn. Now, wow, that, that, that goes, We're gonna, we need to look at that for just a little bit, but the knowledge that he's talking about here is our relationship with God. See, the purpose of the gift of the message of knowledge is to reveal Jesus. It's to reveal Jesus. And when that gift is exercised, it builds us up to know Jesus more. We won't need that, because we will know him, truly know him. Now, I'm not suggesting we can't grow in our relationship with him, whatever that might look like. I'm just suggesting this is not head knowledge that they're talking about here. You will not be omniscient. If that's the case, how many of you have ever been curious? Stupid question, I'm sorry. We have all been curious, have we not? I'll be honest with you. I God just blessed me with an extra portion of curiosity. I am just very curious. I want to. I want to investigate. I want to look at things. But how do you grow in knowledge? There's there's a curiosity, and maybe laziness keeps us from acting upon our curiosity. Oh, it's too hard, or I won't learn, or I have this goal and I won't accomplish it. See. I'm going to suggest that's sin, and if that's gone, that curiosity in you is going to want to be fulfilled. How are you going to do that? Now, just follow me. Don't you study? If we are given charge of the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to study the earth. Can I ask you another question? Why did God create the heavens, the stars? To mark the seasons, yes. But why couldn't he just paint dots in the sky? would it not be to subdue, to somehow grow in our understanding of our universe? And we do that quite a bit, and we seek to apply it in our lives. When you do that, now imagine, not studying a broken universe, but a restored universe, and if we in our day are barely scratching the surface about what's out there, Is there not an endless amount of time that we could spend understanding the complexities of God's universe? I'm sorry, here's my curiosity. Have you ever heard of wormholes? Wormhole basically is going through a a, a warp in space. It's actually with what they call the time-space continuum. And it's basically if you were to take If you were to go through a wormhole, it would teleport you space-wise, so distance as well as time. But I want you to, basically what it is, is if you were to take a pencil and if this is the universe and fold it over, if you were to put it through one area, it would come out to another. You open it up and basically you're on the other side of the universe. That's this idea of a wormhole. I'm not suggesting to you we've discovered this, but they have discovered implications of this. Just like many years ago they discovered the implications of a black hole, it's just that you can't see black holes. And no, they're not black. They actually have a lot of light around them, and it's because it draws everything. Once once it goes past the event horizon, it pulls in everything the gravitational force does. And at the, at the center of, if my understanding is correct, at the center of every galaxy, including the Milky Way, there's a black hole. Now, we're not going to be sucked into it, if you were wondering. But these types of things that we once speculated about we're understanding we're speculating about wormholes if you've ever seen the movie understellar you know what i'm talking about but imagine exploring the universe and some of you you're kind of just drooling right now because you would love to do that some of you are just thinking oh pastor can you just go into the next subject please because you're probably wired a little bit more relationally. I'm, that's going to be another sermon. But today I'm going to talk about like the tasks, things that we can do. I'm not going to touch on work per se. That's going to be next week, but I do want to talk about some of these things. Exploring, understanding our world. When we look at our... Okay, okay with, I'm sorry, I'm jumping in. With regard to the universe, what if we were to travel very quickly to planets and stars, that in these planets, we would discover elements that are nowhere on our periodic tables today. And we were able to utilize those for energy. We were able to utilize those for many purposes here on earth, a metal that's that's as strong as diamond. But when we discover something that can actually cut it. You see, I think when we think about heaven, we think about everything perfect. We're not going to grow in knowledge because apparently we know everything. We're not going to go exploring because, well, we know what's there. What tells you this? If this is a recreation, do you think that Adam had to explore? Of course he did, cuz he was commanded to subdue the earth, learn about it and use its sources for your benefit. If this is the glory of God, if this is a manifestation of the image of God in us and in heaven that will be completely restored, don't you think that's what we will be doing? Of course, I believe I believe so. What about what about traveling through space what about energy what a, there's so many things that we would be able to do there would god will end up giving us a purpose i'm not convinced it's going to be to save the lost i'm not sure that we're going to be sending troops into hell to try and rescue them but god will give us a purpose god created in six days he didn't say that he will never create again what if God were to create a whole other realm in addition to this? See, we just don't know this. But it's a possibility, and that's what I want to tantalize your minds about. The possibilities of what heaven is going to be are they are vast. Think bigger, church. Because when you do, you begin to realize how amazing heaven is going to be. Maybe we'll be able to learn how to harness Energy from stars. What about earth? Travel. I'm not sure it's going to be just by horses and camels. There may be dinosaurs. I'm believing they'll be very, very tame. I personally will have a pet T-Rex, if you're wondering. In part, I say that in jest, but church, that's what, that's what was created on the fourth and fifth day. Dinosaurs. Man was just created one day later, not 165 million years later. And so when we begin to realize that we are in this process now of using all of these resources, the animals, the everything in the world, the earth itself, all of these, inventions, why wouldn't there be inventions? And I just wanna tantalize your mind with this, think bigger. There's nothing in Scripture, as far as I've researched, that would say no, except our own thinking that when we're in heaven, everything is so perfect, we won't need to do anything. Yes, you will, because the Bible definitely talks about work. Work doing what? Just feeding yourselves? With our five senses unhindered, like today, I I can't smell. I tell my wife, I don't smell, she looks at me, she says, sure you do, Mike. She doesn't do, she's not that cruel. All five senses, my five, I'll be able to smell in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. Just this morning I was grinding coffee beans. I couldn't smell them. Someone stuck some freshly ground cinnamon under my nose and they said, Mike, this is amazing, smell this. I, I'm sorry, I don't smell anything. And they, looked at, they thought I was just joking with them. It was so pungent, I couldn't smell it. When I'm in heaven, I'm gonna be able to see. We use our five senses to investigate, to explore, to understand. We're gonna spend an eternity doing this. We will be, as we were in the garden, God's vice regents of this earth. Why did God create the universe if it wasn't to be explored? Why did God create the earth but to subdue it? Let me talk about culture now. And by the way, why wouldn't we build buildings? Why wouldn't we, I mean, engineering, if people just don't throw cement blocks on top of each other. That's not a building. There's a precise science to it and the stress levels. And we can study all of this and grow. Far beyond what we have today. What about culture? I realize that someone like Tertullian who lived in 200 A.D. despised entertainment. 1 Corinthians 6, there's a passage in there, I'm not gonna quote it, but it talks about enjoying all things that God has created for us. I'm sorry, but God is not opposed to entertainment. And entertainment is wrong when it's smutty romance novels that we're indulging in. Entertainment is wrong when it contradicts the character of God and the purpose of God. Entertainment is wrong when we so indulge in it, that's just about all we do. See, that's become a distraction now. But God created entertainment. I'm just supposing what if God were, what if we were to be entertained with sports? Not with the desire to crush your opponent. I think there's a way to thoroughly enjoy opponents without trash talk. I, I need to be careful because I love the trash talk. But I, I do it in, in love. And you've heard me. <laughs> no, that's, that's fun. I try not to hurt people's feelings. But we, we play, I play with people and it's fun. And I think they enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it and I've tried to talk to you, please come to me and rebuke me afterwards because maybe, maybe I've got a blind spot. But we do sports and, and we enjoy it. It doesn't have to be competitive to crush, but sports can be enjoyable. Why couldn't we do football? Okay, flag football, not tackle, right? I don't know, but why wouldn't we be able to do these types of things? How about festivals? When you, go, when you visit other cultures, have you ever seen their festivals? Have you ever seen the colorful? Mexico guys have the amazing, most amazing colors in my opinion. They're just so bright. And why can't, why can't people have dresses? See, we have this idea that we're dressed in fine linen. But when you look at Revelation, fine linen is a symbol It's not that we're actually dressed in fine linen. Maybe we will be, but fine linen that's white and pure and clean are the righteous acts of the saints. Revelation 19 tells us this. So in heaven, on the new heavens and the new earth, why wouldn't we have clothings of all kinds, modest clothings of all kinds, colorful? Why wouldn't we be able to have festivals and celebrations about what God has done for us? Why wouldn't we be able to sit down? This is now starting to get into the relational aspect, so I'm just going to taste it a little bit, if you will. Why wouldn't we be able to build relationships with people in other cultures, learn their language, See, I think sometimes we think, well, we just all have the same language. It's not what I read in my Bible. When these cultures bring their honor and glory into the the new kingdom, I'm going to imagine they bring their language with them. They bring their culture with them because the culture is the flavor of the image of God, the expression of the image of God in their ethnos, their people group, their ethnicity. This is glorious. When God looks at cultures and the expression of the image of God, if it's done purely, he rejoices. That glory, that honor is going to be brought into, I want to learn another person's culture. I want to see the types of foods that they make. See, I've learned from the British baking show that baking is an art that I can't do. But my but the women in my par my family apparently can. In my household can. I just can't. But I have a feeling that maybe then I'll be able to do it a little bit better and I won't burn the eggs. I'm I'm gonna guess there. But what if we were to sit down and watch someone playing an instrument we have never seen before and their fingers are going lightning fast and you're just thinking, how do you do that? And you learn their instrument maybe you learn even how to make it see all of these things is what cultures have been about throughout life we just go to walmart and buy our instrument but somebody makes it and so these are expressions of our culture music i mean music in asia far eastern asia is vastly different than music in america they even have different musical, a different musical scale, if you didn't know. Wow. Imagine, not just in our present, but all the way to creation. All the different, maybe over a million different cultures, people groups, ethnicities. Ethnicity is more than just skin color, church. There's a lot of white people that live in Norway, and they are of a different ethnicity than me. There's a lot of black people that live in the Caribbean that are very different than those who live in Africa. They're of a different ethnicity. It's not just the skin color. It is the culture that they grow up in. And this is what we're going to bring to the table, the music. We're going to bring the clothing. We're going to bring the festivals and the celebrations, the food. We're going to bring architecture, how you build things, how you craft things, sculpturing, painting, all of this. You know, this is why I got so upset when I watched the last episode of The Good Place in which Ellen and her friends have been hanging around in heaven for 100,000 years and they are so bored they, they put in a, a request to be annihilated so they don't exist anymore. Church, at 100,000 years, you're just getting going. There is so much to learn, so much to express and grow in the image of God. Now I need to wrap it up with this. Colossians three says that in that we have taken off the old man and put on the new man, which is being restored in the knowledge of the image of its creator. To do that, you have to first know God. That's who we're made in the image of. So we have to know God, and then we have to see how that image is being reflected in us. So can I ask you, how are you doing with that? How are you doing reflecting the image of God? And I'm not just talking about character. I'm talking about your skills. Are you giving yourself to your skills? Or, I'm gonna be blunt, or are you being lazy? I realize you have time for only so much. I love playing guitar, but I just don't have the time anymore for it. Maybe in heaven I will, but the truth is that what are we doing with growing in this image of God and understanding who he is? Are we getting into the word? Are we trying to understand who is this God that created me with purpose? With purpose. You have purpose. Are you pursuing the fulfillment of that purpose? I look, for the, I look toward the day in which I'm retired or whatever that looks like and it's not because I don't want to pasture anymore because when I'm retired, I do. Um, I may not want to do paint touch-up anymore. Okay. But I'm a detail-oriented person so I'm just going to take that and I'm going to express it in a different way. But you know what? When I'm retired, that doesn't mean any, that doesn't mean from 65 or 67 probably on, my wife and I are vacationing all around the world. Doesn't mean we're going to buy a vacation home and cruise all around America. Not that I'm opposed to that. That can be harmful. It can also be enjoyable, as long, just depending. But the truth is, we are always about growing in our understanding of God and how to live it out. How are we impacting people? So here I want to ask you How are you doing? How are you doing? in reflecting this glory and honor of God. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Bad company corrupts good character. Who are you hanging out with? Who is influencing you? Because whoever's influencing you plays a part in how that image of God is developing in you. What are you giving yourself to? Because if you give yourself to smutty romances, that mindset you'll start owning, you'll start thinking that way, and the Bible says that's lust. The Bible says don't do it, don't think that way. So whatever you give yourself to, you will eventually start becoming likes. Bad company corrupts good character. This, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 15.33, is found in the context of nothing other than the resurrection of Jesus. They were not believing that there was going to be a resurrection. And because they weren't believing there was going to be a resurrection, what do I have to look forward to? And what this did, because they downplayed and misunderstood the resurrection, they were giving themselves over to compromise and sin. See, church, this is what's happening in our culture when we allow our culture to paint a picture of what heaven is. Really, what heaven is not, but you understand. And, and when we downplay, when we slander what heaven is gonna be like, we What am I living for now? What am I sacrificing? What am I giving myself to now? Why am I following Jesus if there's no reward or if the reward is going to be so boring I don't want to have anything to do with it? I understand that. But that's because it's based on the wrong knowledge of heaven. So, what are you giving yourself to? What, are you, what influences are you allowing in your life? Because they were listening to wrong theology about r- the resurrection and they were heading down the wrong path. It was opening the door to compromise. Living however, they living for the moment, not for the future. And whenever you just simply live for the moment, you become myopic. You begin to just see only what's in front of you. Try driving that way, by the way. You'll never survive on the road. And definitely not on I-4. And yet, this is the way some Christians live. It's only for the moment. What, we, what about now? They just pay the bills now. They don't think about saving. They take the extra and they just, entertainment, you know, I deserve it. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not saying you don't, but are you saving? So we're focused on the now and not then. And we compromise because of that. So bad company this is just one example, but bad company corrupts good character. Who are, who are, who's influencing you? What are you mo- how are you motivated to, towards love and good deeds? How are you growing in this? Because Paul's charge was come back to your senses as you ought. So church, if you're heading down the wrong road, And the enemy is just pouring junk after junk into your life and it's corrupting the very thing that God is trying to restore that is the image of God in you so that you reflect him well in this earth. But all you're doing is giving yourself to things that are corrupting it. Do you see how that's going to work against you? And Paul charges us He charges us: Come back to your senses, my friend. Come back to your senses. Don't be led astray. Don't follow after that. The enemy's dangling a carrot before you. He's leading you down the wrong path. I mean, what's the big deal? It's just a little bit of theology. What Paul said: There's, there's. It's got huge consequences. Oh, it's just this little sin. Come on. And that little sin opens the door to bigger sins and bigger sins. And before you know it, you are addicted. And can I say that most people who are addicted will deny it. You can't see it. can't feel it. Until the people around you are crying so much because of how it's impacting them. Little compromises. So what are you giving yourself to? how are you growing you know sometimes we are not very good at assessing how we are doing because we believe it or not we are with ourselves all the time isn't that profound you're with yourself all the time and because of that you were with yourself yesterday and the day before and you're with yourself today and next week and consequently it is hard for you to see your growth. But others, they don't see you quite as much. I've heard some people are actually happy about it. I shouldn't have said that, that's not true. No, but they see you and they get to then see you a week later and a month later and a year later and they sometimes are a lot better at seeing whether you're growing or not. So here's what I encourage you to do. Maybe ask somebody today, do you see me growing? Just be teachable. Go to somebody that you can rely on. Don't go to somebody that is just going to say, oh, you know, they always tell you what you want to hear. Okay, But then don't go to the people who are super critical because you're going to walk away so defeated. But just go to someone you trust, someone who loves you, someone who can say, yeah, look at all the growth that I see here but can I also be a little honest, I'm concerned about this. Listen to them, what what do you see? And if someone else confirms it, maybe they're seeing something you don't. You know, when I was a little boy, I had this tendency at a certain period in my life in which I grew out of things so quickly I put on a pair of pants, a pair of jeans, and before I know it, they're what you call floods. In in other words, the shoes are having a party and the pants aren't invited. That's just a really tacky saying, isn't it? But that's what we would say to hurt people's feelings. But wow, your your shorts, and apparently that's like, in. oh, those are cool capris. No, they're not. I've just outgrown them, all right? Truth be told. And so, I remember it, when, when I slipped into those pants and I saw that the legs were too short, I realized I had grown. But that was pretty rare. I usually had someone have to tease me about it. Before. Wow, you know what? They don't fit now, do they? Well, that's actually a backhanded compliment because as a young boy, apparently, I have grown. I'm bigger now. But that's rare. And so I'm going to encourage you, ask somebody. Can you just speak into my life? Can you help me and allow them to share things with you? Maybe not just one person, but maybe a couple. But church, let's take this truth of God's image and growing in the knowledge of the image of that, which means you've got to study God because that's who you're made in the image of so that you can be like him. When God, you're going to be creating. It's not just character, but it's in every aspect of who you are. In your workplace, do you reflect our creator? And so church, I just want to leave that with you. I want you to ponder it. I want you to let God search your heart. Heaven is going to be so amazing as he restores cultures, as he restores the image of God and all of those implications that we're going to need to look at. God's going to be restoring this. It is going to be your life, but you're going to wake up every morning so excited. Let's see. Let's look at, look at my day timer, my list of things to do. And if you don't like lists, maybe in heaven you will. Mm, just thinking about that. And You look at wow, look what I get to do. To, this is going to be so exciting. And you're going to wake up every morning with this. See, that's heaven. That's paradise restored, not paradise changed but paradise restored. And as you do that, start reflecting on your heart. And between now and then, how can you grow in reflecting Jesus? Amen. Can you stand with me? Father, I just ask you right now. We're about to take communion. And that is a celebration of what Jesus our Lord, our Savior, has done for us. He went to the cross and his blood was spilled. His body was broken to heal my brokenness. So I just ask you, Father, as as we reflect on the message today, whatever is broken and you're trying to restore, show us how we can live fully to see that restored, to, to look more and more like Jesus. And I pray, Father that you would challenge us and that we wouldn't be afraid of that that we would grow and that between now and when you take us to take us home may we make every effort to grow in Christ you're so good in Jesus name and on that night that Jesus was betrayed and he gathered his disciples together and he knew that the very next morning he would be hanging on a cross for their sins. He wanted to celebrate with them. He wanted to create something that would be a memorial service. And so he took bread and a cup of wine. The bread, he said, would represent his body. The the wine would represent his blood, the blood of the new covenant. And he took the bread, and he blessed it and broke it. Father, we just ask that you would bless this one loaf, as it would represent the one, it would represent Christ and the one body of Christ. It's us in unity, because of what He's done for us. Bless this bread, and remind us the cost of Calvary. Amen. In Jesus' name. Jesus took the cup, they say it was the third cup of the Seder meal, what they commonly call a cup of redemption or the cup of salvation. It's after the meal and Jesus takes this cup and he says, you know what guys, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Because with the Passover they put the blood over the doorframe. But Jesus would now become that Paschal Lamb and it would be his blood over us that the death angel would not be able to harm us. Death would be gone. I love Petra's old song, it's entitled Grave Robber." See, Jesus came to steal me out of my grave. I burst out of that grave because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. Shed for you. This is the celebration lord's supper the table is a celebration so we honor him who came to this earth in the form of a man and was broken for me and bled for me for the forgiveness of my sins father i just pray bless this cup thank you for it in jesus name so what i'd like to do if you would is i'd like you to just form a, a single file line here take some take a cup take some of the bread take it back to where you are Then we're going to take these elements together. This is a celebration for the family of God. This is a celebration for all who believe in Jesus. And if you're a believer, I invite you to attend.